to our Drink a Book podcast, where we drink wine and talk about books. This is Lauren. Lynn. I'm Lee. It's Marie. And this is Joe. Listeners, so this is editing Lauren popping in for just a quick second. Um, just for a little disclaimer, I just want to say we mention traveling in this episode um, to New Orleans, but this was recorded in February of 2020 um, before the pandemic happened. So just wanted to let you all know we are definitely not traveling across state lines or going on vacations or boarding airplanes at this point in time. Um, talk to you later. Bye. So we are at my house this time. We, going along with our last book, um, Give a Shit, we had reusable napkins that we had with our pizza. I specifically told them no when they asked if I wanted any paper plates or silverware. Nice. And Marie brought vegan ice cream. was delicious. It was so, so, good. so good. It didn't even taste like vegan. It tasted, it tasted totally yeah. regular. Mm-hmm. So it was delicious. We've had my cat in and out of the room, so she might make her podcast debut <laughs> in a little bit. <laughs> so we've all been definitely taking this sustainability thing to heart. Um, we recently had some controversy with Amazon. Thanks to Lee, you sent us that like message or memo. Yeah, I saw Ashley Piper, the author of the, our last book, Give a Shit, posted a tip on her Instagram story about messaging the customer service people on Amazon and asking them not to send your packages with plastic in them. So I did that. I sent them a message. I was like, can you make all of my future packages plastic free? If you have to put anything in it, can you make it biodegradable materials like paper? And the guy was like, sure, I'll let the shipping department know. So I was super excited. And I sent a screenshot of the conversation to all of my book club friends. And then all of you (laughs) tried the same thing and ended up in like fights with the... Amazon representatives, because I guess the other people that you all were chatting with weren't as receptive as the guy I was chatting with. (laughs) Yeah, mine made some comment like, oh, um, yeah, we've recently found out that it was leaked on social media that we are accepting requests for no more plastic, but that's not a real thing, and you will be getting plastic in your future orders. Like, Hmm. what? They keep on trying to explain that because they use the plastic to protect the items. Mm -hmm. And if you Mm -hmm. take out the plastic, then it's not going to protect the items. And Yeah, that's what they said when I um, was messaging with them, too, that um, it's the most effective way to protect. And they did send me a link to um, frustration-free packaging, which I'm not exactly sure what that means. And he said that some items can be purchased, and I guess that means easy packaging. I didn't look at it yet. Um, I just got out of the chat because he wasn't answering yeah. my questions. But I'll have to check on that and see what that's yeah. all about. Yeah. 
Well, and the guy I was chatting with said, I'll let the shipping department know, and I've ordered something since then that came with plastic. So I don't think that they really took my request seriously. And my guy said, like, no, there's no such thing as me informing the shipping department that you don't want plastic. Like, you should do that. Yeah, he was telling me that what I was asking for was not a real thing and that they don't ship without plastic that so there's no way to request that the person i was chatting with was just like trolling me or something <laughs> like like okay sure but then like didn't do anything no maybe ashley piper was chatting with the same person <clears throat> yeah, you were maybe. and since he said that she's like oh great look what they're gonna do and then it turns out maybe they're not actually doing that yeah but we're hoping that if they're getting a lot of these requests from people, eventually they'll realize they have to make their packaging yeah. more sustainable. So, so tip if you read Give a Shit and care a lot about sustainability, send Amazon a message. Yeah. And maybe if we yeah. can get a lot of us that send messages, maybe they can do something about it. It'll be like yeah. a movement. Yeah. 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 Good idea. <laughs> this month's book genre was books related to color, which was picked by Joe. And it was Marie's book pick, The Color Purple. And I'm really glad that we ended up reading this book because I don't think it's something I would have normally read, but I ended up really liking it, Mm -hmm. especially because it's a classic. Like, our book club doesn't really read classics that often, so I think it was definitely a good way to, like, broaden my reading horizons. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I, I feel like I usually go the other like if I see a classic mm-hmm. I'm like all right I'm not yeah. gonna read that one because I don't I usually find classic books to just be a lot more dry yeah just, for sure. if they don't catch my interest it's, and they're I not very relevant usually anymore yeah. yeah different time period different mm-hmm. yeah and it just feels like a flashback to like high school like okay mm-hmm. is there, <laughs> yeah. do I have to write an essay yeah after this yeah. chapter yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely did anyone have to read this in school I, I didn't. Okay. No. Neither did I. I, I did it feels books. like a book you would yeah. read in high school. I did have to read books that had a very similar vibe. Like, yeah. Your yeah. eyes were watching God and... Yeah. We, we read The Bluest Eye. Yeah. yeah. Morrison. Oh, that could have been a book pick. That could have been. color. I think about it. That book had a very similar vibe yeah. to this yeah. one. And what about the Maya Angelou? Like, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings? That kind of had... Like a similar, oh, yeah, some like of the same that. like themes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those books I did have to read, mm-hmm. but this book has been on the banned list for several schools for mm-hmm. several years, mm-hmm. so that might be why we didn't read it. Yeah. I can um, see why. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But those other books weren't banned books. That's interesting. That's a good point. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I was doing some reading on like why the book was banned. Um, cause it was saying like, it's one of the most frequently banned books and everything I could find was saying it was because of like sexual explicitness, mm-hmm. um, homosexuality and violence. I guess there was a lot of controversy about depicting black men as violent. Oh. So like some people were mad about that when the book and then when the movie came out. Yeah. Has that anyone seen sense. this movie? No. No, no, neither have I. I guess I didn't even realize it was a movie. I think it was also a musical. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw that. Um, Or or a play? A play, maybe. Maybe it was a play. play. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely one. 
Yeah. I looked it up. Oh, it wait. says there was a musical adaptation of the novel opened at the Broadway Theater in New York City in 2005. Yeah, my book is advertising that. I have oh. an old version of the book, that and it says, sense. now a Tony Award-winning Broadway musical. Oh, wow. So it is a musical. That's kind well, of, that would make sense. There was that local, that post that I sent you guys about oh, that yeah. local yeah. musical. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and when you cool. think about the time that it was written, it is kind of like groundbreaking yeah, some of the things is. she wrote about Absolutely. in the book and like a lot yeah. of the topics that mm. were oh, yeah. addressed. Mm-hmm. I could see why, especially back then, it might have been banned. Right. But maybe not mm-hmm. when we were in school. Mm-hmm. And I guess because of the that thing that you read mentioned a homosexual quote. Yeah. That, I guess, wasn't really a part of mm-hmm. any of the other books that I read in high school. True. So maybe that also that got be. it on the banned list. Not that I agree with that, but that could maybe have yeah, that sounds crazy to contributed. Like, hear that now. Like, yeah. That never yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give a summary of the book here. And I'm reading from Goodreads, actually. Instead of from the back of the books, I just thought that this one was a little bit more descriptive of what happens in it. So it says, The Color Purple is a classic. It is hailed as one of the all-time greats of literature inspiring generations of readers. Set in the deep American South between the wars, it is the tale of Celie, a young black girl born into poverty and segregation. Raped repeatedly by the man she calls father, she has two children taken away from her, is separated from her beloved sister Nettie, and is trapped into an ugly marriage. But then she meets the glamorous Suge Avery, singer and magic maker, a woman who has taken charge of her own destiny. Gradually, Celie discovers the power and joy of her own spirit, freeing her from her past, and reuniting her with those she loves. And so from now on, spoiler alert, if you haven't finished reading this yet, stop now because we're going to start talking about things that happened in this book. On Goodreads as well, you guys know that we always choose top-rated books, (laughs) and the rating for this book is a 4.2 stars. It's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. it's high. Absolutely. Especially for... uh, classic yeah. yeah yeah usually they're not rated that high <laughs> yeah no. that's probably another reason that i usually like gloss over them <laughs> right no. so i have a couple five star goodreads reviews the first one is from oniza she says i really have no idea how to review this book it's beautiful it's painful there's despair and hope there's injustice and a happy ending most of all there's so much to learn No one can really explain what the color purple is. It has to be read and absorbed. Since it is a quick read and so insightful, I'd recommend it to everyone. And I also have kind of a funny review from Amanda. She says, Tag this as LGBT, you fuckos. (laughs) (laughs) Celie is a goddamn lesbian. Don't gal pal her and shook. At one point, Celie says all men look like frogs to her. An American (laughs) hero. (laughs) I did love that part. I know. When she said that, I was like, go girl. But I did see, like, when I was looking through the reviews, there were a few people who were unhappy about how, like, the sexuality was portrayed between Celie and Suge and how like the portrayal of Suge as a bisexual people were sort of unhappy about how she was portrayed because I guess there's a lot of like kind of negative stereotypes about bisexual people oh but like if you look at the Goodreads tags for the genres it wasn't tagged as LGBT or anything so I think that's what this person was talking about 
But um, I just thought her review was kind of funny. That's, really funny. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, so I have a couple one-star reviews. One's really short, so I'm going to read this one, then I have a little bit of a longer one. But this one is from Tremaine, and he said, This book sucks. I did, not, I did not like the main character, and in fact, I like Mr. Blank the best. Oh, like, what? Oh my gosh! <laughs> no. He says, the first page was too visual, and they should change the title to the color blue. Why? Who knows? Okay, um, then you totally missed the oh, book. Yeah. Did you even read it? I did not understand. You're not qualified to even be writing that review. Uh, um, this <laughs> other one is from Monique, and she says... No offense to those who have read it, but I absolutely hated it, like with so much on my mind. It was disgusting and pointless, not to mention needlessly crude. If there was a zero star out there, this would be the book to give it to. Whoever said this was inspirational or that girl grew throughout the book is either severely delusional or just has no concept of character depth. That girl has no backbone throughout the book. I mean, come on. Stop wallowing in self-pity and fear and get a move on. One life, lady. One life. To end the rant, on top of being horrible, this book was also nearly impossible to read. What with all that southern black slash ghetto talk, what what the hell does asked mean? It's supposed oh. to be asked, as I found out way into the book. Are you One kidding good thing, me? however, was that it was slightly fun to try to translate that writing into proper, understandable <gasps> English. We had lots of fun, recruited friends, because it was so damn spelled with a B, funny and weird, and I couldn't do it myself. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I, I feel like the point is like way over here. Monique uh, is like I know. way over there. What like, do you mean get a backbone? Yeah, she was living in about? a time period that was extremely right. racist. She and was like, why don't you go be options. put in that situation and right. see what you do? Like, does she not understand the historical context? Clearly right. she does not. Maybe and she's thinking of it in present times, but this is not no. written in present no. time. No. Well, and she does throw a backbone. That's like mm-hmm. one of the That's main so. points of right. the story is like right. her evolving and right. getting strength and resisting. Oh my god. Oh my god. That review that makes me so mad. I have That's to very strongly it. disagree I with know. that review. And then she's talking about how she types like the words are meant to be spelled like that. Yes. She's supposed to understand, like, that's how she speaks. Yeah. Like, and it, it's a dialect. Yeah. And it portrays Ugh. the context that she grew up in. Yeah. Because right. right. she even says and, like, she's, she's not smart. She's yeah. 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 Her sister's way smarter. Like, that's and the whole point. That's, yeah. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, she clearly Whoa. did not Monique get any Jeez, this is a history lesson. Could you imagine this book where she spoke completely proper that wouldn't fit no. the no. environment, no. her life, it wouldn't fit anything? Well, and if you're paying attention, you notice by the she end the yeah. language yeah. changes, and yeah, it's, yes. it does become more, in like some ways, more like, quote, proper. grammatically yeah. right. proper English. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a good choice of review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it got me fired up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I liked the book. I really liked yeah, it. I, I liked it a lot. I thought that all of the like heavy themes were dealt with in a really good way. Mm-hmm. I thought that the character development was good. I loved like all of the strong female mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. I loved all the complexities, too, that it was really honest about like how nuanced people are mm-hmm. you know and how complicated people are i didn't realize that it was all going to be like letters 
through. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. And I think it was the review on Goodreads mm-hmm. because the difference between the review on Goodreads and the review on the back of the book mm-hmm. were different. And when I read the review at the back of the book, I was like, oh, this makes sense to what the book is. Mm-hmm. But I had a different perception when I read the Goodreads. I think, yeah, I think the major thing with the letters that threw me was that how much time was passing. At the very yeah, beginning, yeah. I oh, yeah. thought it was like literally just a few weeks yeah, apart same. and then realized that I was very wrong on yeah. that. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a three on Goodreads and I probably like in real life I would give it a 3.5 if I could I did I really really liked it I loved like you said like the feminism and female empowerment and the relationships and the historical like it definitely gave me context for that time period but I did maybe it was just the headspace I was in when I was reading it but I got kind of bored in parts of it Mm -hmm. I don't know. I felt like, especially with some of Nettie's letters when she was in Africa and then like when they're, you know, going back and forth on the ship, I just was like, what is, what is this contributing to the story? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really liked the parts with Celie and her experience. And I just sometimes got kind of lost with Nettie's letters and just felt like they weren't really furthering the story. And then I was getting bored and it was hard for me to like, I kept putting the book down and it ended up, I didn't finish it until today <laughs> before like a couple hours before book club. But I don't know. Did anybody else feel that way? I I know what you mean. I was feeling that way too. Well, yeah. It, I think it was just like what you were saying, that fluff, I don't, the spaces yeah. between different things and the letters and the different letters and so I would agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. It wasn't like a page turner, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but I felt like for me it started to pick up more towards the end when like mm-hmm. Celie's like joining the resistance and yeah. like speaking up for herself. Mm-hmm. I was like really invested in mm-hmm. her character development and everything. But I could see like some of Nettie's letters from Africa did kind of like kind of drag a little bit and like I liked the context we were getting about what things were like in Africa you know and kind of contrasting that to where they were living in America and at that time but it did seem like maybe some of that could have been cut back on a little bit yeah, and it could have been too that just I had waited till the last minute, and I also wasn't yeah. feeling rushed. <laughs> yeah. True. yeah, I went. I needed to work out, and I needed to clean before people came over, and that could have been part of it that I just wanted to be done, and yeah. it was my own fault that I wasn't. So I don't know, but I did feel like when I first started reading it, I was really into it Same. and wanted to know mm-hmm. like what was going to happen, and then you're right towards the end, then I was like very invested again, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like. Towards the middle parts of it, I just kind of zoned out a little bit during parts of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are a lot of characters and names introduced, too, mm-hmm. um, talking about Nettie in Africa, and I was just yeah. kind of confused, and I was like, I want to know who you guys are, but I'm also not that invested, yeah. so I'm just going to hope the story <laughs> makes sense as I'm continuing to read. Same. So yeah, like, it was a little hard to follow all mm-hmm. the characters at some points. At the beginning, I was, like, really confused about why Mr. Blank didn't have a name. Yeah, me and too. And I was, like, kind of confused at the beginning on what was going on. And, I mean, 
maybe that's just natural because it's the beginning and you don't have all the context yet, but some of that was confusing for me at first. Yeah, me too. But did anybody find information about, like, why he didn't have a last name or she wasn't calling him by that? I thought you were about to say you totally understood by the end of the book, and I was going to be like, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, have, I still don't know why I she have, didn't. I had, like, an idea. I did, like... Google I googled it to it. see what other oh, people I, were saying, but there wasn't really like a clear cut, like everybody yeah. in agreement of why. Yeah, my determination from what I googled and then what I decided I wanted to believe is that it was that she, like, it almost was a foreshadowing of the end of the book where she kind of like takes back her power, um, like makes a name for herself that she wanted to kind of like take his power away by not calling him by his last name. Or something like that. Some of what I was seeing was because a lot of the theme of the book was around like males being dominant, and Mm -hmm. it was kind of to show that like she wasn't assigning that power to him. And then Mm -hmm. also because like she didn't love him, she wasn't like attached to Mm -hmm. him, so she didn't even call him by a specific Mm -hmm. name. He was just like blank Mm -hmm. to her. Yeah, I thought I remember her saying. Like, when Suge came, she's like, I didn't even know what his first name was or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. didn't know his first name. She That's only really knew sad. him as Mr. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, Marie, you were telling us about the audio version. In my head, when I was reading the book, I just kept referring to him as Mr. Blank, like, as <laughs> I was reading. But you said it was not like that in the audio book. No. Um, when you listened to it, she just called him mister and then like with her accent she would say mister and then would just pause and then continue so it wasn't a mr blank but i that's i listen to the audios for almost every book and i sometimes i listen to it fully sometimes it's just certain pages but i like it because i feel like it adds another piece to the book every time whether it's (laughs) understanding the pronunciation of names whether it's the way they use the dialogue, how they're talking, whether it's the author or whoever reads the audible, I think that they always add in another part of it. Mm -hmm. You're not just figuring it out on your own. It's like when you go online and you're on Google looking Mm -hmm. for certain Mm -hmm. things, like I feel like that's a piece that helps me. And I was also explaining before our podcast started that it really bothered me in the beginning, just that Southern accent and their just how they all spoke. It was hard for me to read. And I think it was just harder for me to read it because it wasn't that natural Mm -hmm. dialogue that I kind of had to to, like process it Mm -hmm. as you were reading. Right. And it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was just a harder read for me in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when I started listening to it, it was, I liked because she had that accent and she had that Southern Mm -hmm. way of speaking. And it, helped me so much. I felt like I was involved in their culture. Something that really stood out to me was like, this was kind of towards the end, but when she's transitioning from writing to God to writing to Nettie, and she's talking to Suge about God, and I loved how they talked about how like God isn't really the white man that's Mm -hmm. like traditionally talked about in the churches and everything and I could see how I don't know if this is true but I could see how back 
in the day. And even now, that could be something that might cause it to be a banned book because I'm sure that the white people in charge didn't like that part of the book Mm -hmm. of them saying that they don't believe God was white. Yeah, But I liked how that was addressed in the book and Mm -hmm. how they kind of equated God to just being like everything Mm -hmm. in nature and I liked that, too. Yeah. And maybe I'm just biased because I'm not religious or anything, but I liked that part. I liked it, too. It makes more sense because she was, you know, having such a hard life, mm-hmm. and I'm sure she was questioning how, why did this happen to her, and they kind of talked a little bit about that, and that if you think about God as being everything around you, it's not like, why isn't he paying attention to me? Mm-hmm. It's because it's all around you, and... I don't know. Yeah. I just liked that thought process for them. Me too. Yeah. It made sense, I think. And I liked how Suge was talking about how basically, like, God is joy. Like, he, yeah. if you're enjoying yourself, he's enjoying it too. Like, she mm-hmm. just kind of reframed it yeah. for Sealy. And I feel like I need that kind of religion in my yeah. life. Like, God is yeah. everything and God is joy. Like, yeah. that's kind of how yeah. I connect with it too. And I liked, too, though, how Suge kind of, they kind of made it seem like it would be normal to view God as white because it's so ingrained in society mm-hmm. that, like, white man is who is in rules power. everything and, yeah, has all the power. So, like, it's conditioned that that's who you view as being, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. in charge of everything. Even when it completely doesn't make sense yeah. with, like, they're right. bringing up, he couldn't have possibly been white, like, based on where he lived. Yeah. yeah, that is a good point that that could be a big reason it has been banned in American schools, because a lot of American schools are still traditionally, like, following Christian mm-hmm. values and whatever. They said this took place, like, between the wars. So was this, like, in the... Was, was she like, born in, like, the 20s? Or I thought it was like because this went over a long period it took of time, place right? In the thirties and forties, wasn't it? But I don't know when she was would have been born. Yeah, so I think how I, old was she when it started? Like eight like, or something. Yeah, I think I was under the impression that it started in like the nineteen teens or something. Would that make sense then? By the end of the book, so by the mm-hmm. end, it's like in the thirties yeah. and forties. Yeah, because towards the end, they're talking Wait, about who was it? Years had passed. Who's yeah. Yeah. someone who was going to war? And then how the their end, ship, right? yeah. they thought that maybe the ship got yeah. sunk by right. a Germany. So, so maybe it does end. So like that would be the 40s. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Depending on when, World War Two is like 39 yeah. to 45. Like 45. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so um, then. But if it's between wars, you're right. So maybe when it started, World War One was like just over. Mm-hmm. That yeah. timing could work. If it was, mm-hmm. well, actually, that doesn't really work because if it's thirty years, that still doesn't work. When was the first World War over? In the in the teens, it was like 1918 yeah. or 1919 or something. Okay, am I right? <laughs> or I maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that would maybe make but, sense. But yeah, it could that could be right. I don't know. Okay, hold on. And I guess like why why yeah, okay. did they think that she was in the ship that went I was down? also confused about that. I didn't why would they even know that. about Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know. I and I thought that she was dead. So did I until the end, and I was and like, was oh, this is a surprise at the end. <laughs> well, they were coming home. Maybe they were coming home on like a. Maybe the only ship that was coming home was a military one, but they obviously weren't on it. Maybe. Yeah. I kept thinking they were going to reveal that and... maybe, like, they didn't go on that ship because of Adam and, mm-hmm. um, what was her name, Tashi, like, running away. So, But oh. they never, like, explicitly addressed mm-hmm. that, why they thought they were on that ship and yeah. they weren't. They could have, I guess, been on that ship but been rescued or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, because it took them a while to get home after yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah, that part wasn't super descriptive, and I was kind of confused mm-hmm. with all yeah. that. I didn't know if I was missing something or if it just wasn't really explained. I also just confirmed <laughs> World War One ended in 1918. Oh, good so job. I, thank you. I, I was actually kind of knowing what I was talking yeah. about, yeah. but I doubted myself. Yeah, so, okay, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> you're on it. Well, I did just visit the World War II Museum. Um, oh, okay. So I feel like that's why I'm pretty confident in knowing, like, the dates of um, World War II. Uh, it's in New Orleans. Oh. So it was actually very fascinating plug nice. for the World War II Museum. Yeah, yeah. You could spend days there, and we spent, yes. like, I two hours. We did not much. even see the whole museum wow. by any point. And what we saw was enlightening and it was yeah. so interesting. And I highly recommend it. That's so That's random. cool. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Sorry. So I, I guess just reading like the beginning where they're like, like they gave her off to get married to this guy and then this guy, like, was this honestly really happening I in America in like the 20, like the 30s? I was just so shocked. Or was it well, only that happening with poor in the, black people? Like twenties, right? Was it happening with when white people rural, too? I don't know. Like rural, yeah. Yeah. It could have been happening, maybe if you were poor. Yeah. But maybe even not. I feel like in some no, and I'm gonna not know what I'm talking about exactly here, but I feel like there's some books that have taken place um in about the same time period where like it seemed like people were er- having arranged marriages Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like characters I don't know in actual history but like a lot of these books I feel like people aren't marrying for love Mm -hmm. back in the day it's like whatever's advantageous the parents find them someone and here you go you're gonna marry this guy yeah and you're Mm -hmm. just expected to get married when you're Mm -hmm. when you're a certain age if you're a woman Mm -hmm. but I don't know this situation is not the same as that because those were like business arrangements or something. Mm-hmm. In this situation, it's just, like, getting her out of the house, it mm-hmm. almost seems like. But it kind of was maybe, like, a business arrangement, right? Because then she was supposed to be taking care of his kids. Oh. Like, you're basically going to be here so I can, like, rape you and beat you and have you take yeah. care of my house. Well, and, and at that true. time, weren't women still considered to property. be a man's property? Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe it, it was, was a business transaction. Yeah. It just made me think of something when they were in Africa and they were talking about how all the Africans sold their own people yeah. to, like, get money. I just yeah. kind of, there's just, like, a connection there I just thought about, like... Yes. Yeah. How did she yeah. get her? Her pa, like... Yeah. Basically sold her. Sold her yeah. to him. Okay. So, yeah, right? there's kind of, like, a little... Yeah, that's like, true. Connection. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah parallel. But sort. I did think that was interesting, though, how they addressed, like, how the Africans are the reason why these people were sold into yeah. slavery in America, but that the Africans didn't really, like, care or feel any yeah, remorse was, about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. 
It was also an interesting depiction of white people, Europeans coming into Africa, building things. And like, I mean, we know that that stuff happens, Mm -hmm. but it was interesting to hear how she described it started with the road mm-hmm. and then it started with buying their land and then they're making them and pay to use water. water. Oh and yeah. it was, it's horrible. It's so uh-huh. frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that stuff happened and maybe even still happens. It's awful. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it still does. And I thought it was interesting too how the one white woman who was one of the quote missionaries was actually just like a schemer, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was just like that. scamming all of them. Yeah. Pretending to be a missionary, wasn't she? Or did I misunderstand that? Yeah, the one who, she had an outpost wherever still, right? She wasn't the missionary anymore, but she still lived there. Yeah, and she was the one who was on the ship with Mm -hmm. them to England, and, like, her grandson was on it. Oh, the older lady. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and she was basically telling them how... You probably skimmed that part. Wasn't she just, like, pretending to be a missionary? You're right, you're right. It did seem that way. She was just, like, profiting off of Mm -hmm. her time there basically okay. I don't know it's like what are you just talking about because <laughs> right. they had like mentioned that. this woman mm-hmm. previously mm-hmm. in the book that she was some like revered missionary mm-hmm. what right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then it turns out she was just kind of like scamming everybody <laughs> well even Nettie and Samuel and Corinne and the kids like I don't know that they really were doing their job no. as missionaries because it sounds like they almost changed their belief yeah, systems to yeah. match the, you know, the uh, Linka people, instead of teaching them about God and everything. Like, that was my yeah. idea. They really didn't do a good job being missionaries. No. Lived in the village. Like, yeah. yeah. I guess they and were, like, teaching, teaching them. Yeah. them school, but were yeah. they teaching yeah, them about true. the mission? Or were they just, like... <laughs> I don't know. It almost seemed like they were being taken yeah. advantage yeah. of. Like, the Africans clearly didn't want them there necessarily except to use them for educational purposes and they didn't want them like spreading the message that girls should be allowed to go to school Mm -hmm. and stuff like that i mean at the end it didn't seem like any of the olinka tribe was believing in god they all still have their same customs Mm -hmm. and their same belief systems it did seem like I mean, this isn't related to the mission of God, but it did seem like they had maybe influenced some people that the girls should be allowed to be educated, but, like, that wasn't what their mission was for. Mm -hmm. That's true, though. So, I mean, they did make some difference, at least, but... Yeah, that was interesting, (laughs) though. Like, that whole part about the missionaries and, like, what are they actually doing? (laughs) 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 And then... Okay, I just want to confirm because I did do some skimming. Miss Eleanor Jane, she's the one who had the baby like towards the end and kept asking Sophia if she liked. So she's the one that Sophia was like taking care yes. of when she they took her out of prison. So she was so the daughter. The, she yeah. was working at. She's the mayor's daughter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The daughter. So Sophia yeah. took care of her. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was Henrietta? That that was Sophia's Sophia's daughter. daughter. Yeah. But with, she um, think Harpo, but she thought that the other one was her mom, Mary, Mary Agnes. Agnes. Yeah. So oh it's also I Squeak. Mary Agnes. Mary Agnes. Squeak. They brought. She kept calling <laughs> yeah. Mary Agnes, and then Squeak, and then she brought Mary. I'm like, yeah, that was her for me to follow at some point too. Totally but by the end, I yeah. I got it. I think because okay. she wanted to be called Mary Agnes, and I think Celie was calling her Mary Agnes, yeah. and everyone else was calling her Squeak. Yeah. Yeah. Or after she said she wanted to go by Mary Agnes, then mm-hmm. Celie started calling her that. 
Yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah. So it was confusing. I kept picturing Squeak as, like, literally, like, a 12-year-old the entire time. <laughs> like, I cannot imagine her as, like, a grown woman with children. Just because yeah. they kept calling her Squeak. It's like, yeah. The reason I brought up the Eleanor Jane was because, I don't know if I misinterpreted it, but it almost seemed very relevant that, like, she seemed to be sort of like a well-meaning white person quote. I hear that term all the time nowadays of like well-meaning white people who are trying to be like inclusive and intersectional, but like we're still ignorant in a lot of ways or whatever. Um, see our podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. Yeah. Be better. yeah. I think yes. all of us are well-meaning white people. Yes, <laughs> but I just like got that vibe from her when yeah. she kept saying like, don't you just love my baby? Don't yeah. she just like mm-hmm. wanted the validation? It, and it's again, like putting the onus and like emotional <clears throat> mental labor on the person yeah. who's being marginalized. Mm-hmm. And I love that Sophia was just like, no, like I don't yeah. fucking love your baby. <laughs> like, I just really liked that. And it just felt still very relevant yeah. today. The whole I Sophia guess. thing was so sad to me. Like yeah. she was in jail and then they were like, oh, you work for us now. Like literally all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't go see your kids. Yeah. Like, no. She's a great character yeah. too. I really I liked loved her. And, yeah. Even in the beginning. Her. She like oh, yeah, can't take yeah, any bullshit from anyone. Yeah. And Har- Harpo, he's like, why doesn't she listen to me? Yeah. Like, Dummy. Like, <laughs> right. she needs to listen to you. If you and, like, have if feelings you love for her, her yeah. Right? yeah. That was so confusing yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, his dad, he's just looking at his dad's yeah. relationship, I'm sure. Like, oh, Seely listens and he beats her and whatever. And he wanted, he thought probably. Yeah. That's right. what it's supposed that's to be That's just like. what they were conditioned. Because even Seely was like, beat her. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, that's just what they were led to believe is mm-hmm. like, the way things are supposed to be. It was just yeah. so ingrained, I think. Mm-hmm. And I guess that goes back to the whole business transaction thing. Yeah. Like Harpo and Sophia's marriage was not, like nobody was yeah. giving her away to him or whatever. Right. They chose right. to get married against their parents' yeah. wishes. Right. And at the time, the women were expected to be submissive mm-hmm. and compliant. But yeah, I loved Sophia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did like, though, how at the end, after Eleanor Jane was um, asking her about the baby, that then she basically, I think Sophia told her, well, ask your parents about why I was there. Yeah. And then she came back and was like, oh, my gosh, my parents are terrible people. I can't remember exactly what yeah. she said about them. But I thought that was good. That probably yeah, that opened was. her eyes. Yeah. And-, and even just the fact that she was, like, there mm-hmm. wanting, I mean, even if it was problematic in some ways, like... I would think most of the other white people at the time would not be, like, showing up to her house Mm -hmm. wanting her to Mm -hmm. see their baby. True. Right. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the book we read, the bee book. Oh, yeah. Secret Life Life of Bees. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of that a little bit, too. Yeah. Like, just the relationships between, like, black and white and how it's so much more like complicated but also I don't know the word just like the relationships that especially like black people who are the quote help end up Mm -hmm. developing with the white people that they are like working for and stuff was really interesting yeah and Mm -hmm. it had a lot of the same sorry like um 
like the strong female relationships and characters were yeah. present in both mm-hmm. books. And kind of like, I think I was going to say like the spiritualness aspect. Yeah, like that too. Togetherness with like your female companions and just kind of like feeling joy and like yeah. presence, but it's not yeah. necessarily like, quote, God, unquote, mm-hmm. type of yeah. thing. And I liked how in both books, these strong female characters are not really relying on men. They're yeah. just like doing what they want, which mm-hmm. I thought was good. Definitely. And it was kind of cool that, like, Celie was just, like, cleaning house, like, cleaning the house for her whole life and, like, probably sewing things. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, what up, motherfucker? Now I'm making a ton yeah. of money. Yeah. Pants. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I wanted to talk that. that. Was amazing. <laughs> I loved the pants yeah. Yeah. situation. Yeah. Like, that at first it was even to her, like, oh, my God, like, why would I wear pants? And yes. then by the end, she's, like, making money <laughs> yes. off of making everybody pants. I loved awesome. it. That was awesome. And wasn't it, was it Albert who said to her, like, the man's supposed to wear the pants mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. And she's just basically like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, then at the end, he did show growth. Yeah, yeah. he did. He was helping make shirts to go with her pants. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he... I liked that they kind of had a friendship going. Yeah. That mm-hmm. he understood how bad he'd been. Yeah. That part, that was good, at least. Yeah, he, he ended up being a complex character. Yes. Like, at the beginning, I just hated oh, him yes. so much, and then by the end, I kind of liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was so glad that she didn't accept his second marriage. I know. Yes. 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 I, I think agree. it's funny that he actually asked her. I know. I know. Like, <laughs> like he, he grew a lot, but not, like, all the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. He still did terrible things to this woman. So. Yeah. Yeah, and he kept all... Yeah, her the sister's letters. letters and made oh, her think she was yeah. dead. That years is and years and years. horrible. Well, and so, okay, at the end, we find out that none of Celie's letters made it to Nettie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, I'm so confused. I was confused then, like, how did, like, were they, did they know Nettie was coming to the family reunion? Like, I was just confused I don't by think the so. end. Like, I don't think. I think I was like, was this a planned family reunion with Celie and Nettie, or was it like Nettie just showed up and they happened to be having their family reunion? To me, it seems like they just just showed showed up. up. Okay, but she came back to their childhood house, right? So it was lucky that Celie was there. Yeah, but because she was sending the letters to Albert's house, right? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. So then, why would she have shown up at their childhood house? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we don't really know. She could have maybe gone there and then somebody, like, told her. Yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe. I I was a little bit confused because there wasn't a lot of, like, explicit information about how that all came to be. Mm -hmm. It was like, we found out none of her letters got to Nettie. We think Nettie's dead. And then all of a sudden they're having a family reunion and Nettie's there. (laughs) Like, how did that happen? I don't know. Do you remember when Nettie was talking about when she left and she said, didn't she say Albert, like, chased her into the woods or something? Or yeah, was and he said never to come back, right? Mm-hmm. He said you'll never talk yes. to Celie again. So she was just like, hey, Albert, what's up? Remember that time you almost put me in the woods, like, three <laughs> yeah. years ago? Yeah, I yeah. Guess. I forgot about that until we were just talking about it now. Because huh. that was him, right? That wasn't, like, Yeah, that was Paul. him, yeah. No, yeah, that was him. Because mm-hmm. didn't he want to marry her? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. He did want to marry her. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I like to think maybe you're right, Lynn, that she's in town and someone told her that to yeah. find him there or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I That's don't true. know. 
They got to ride yeah, with somebody. Because if yeah. she hadn't gotten any of Celie's letters, she wouldn't even know if she was still alive. Mm-hmm. So maybe she just like went back back to town asking about mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. and somebody told her. I don't know. Yeah. Unless I'm missing <laughs> something that I was supposed I to know. understand. I shouldn't know. Because Nettie was, or I mean, Celie was definitely getting Nettie's. Yeah. Up well, the she end. got him at the end. Yeah. They were they were making it to Albert and then Albert was hiding them, but then she got yeah, them all. Yeah, she had got she had some of them at the beginning, yeah, and eventually he gave her the rest. Yeah, of them, didn't he? Yeah, I think. And I think yeah, it was like a while later that she got all of them. And I was confused about that as the book went on, even towards the end when we were reading the letters from Nettie. It was hard for me to know. Are those, did those just get to her or were these still some of the ones from when they like found them all in his car? Yeah, I agree. It was a little hard for me to follow the timeline Mm -hmm. of when she was getting the letters and when Mm -hmm. the time, what the time was that the letters were written. Yes. When you think about it, how long would it have taken a letter to get from Africa to the U.S.? That's true. It probably would have taken a long time anyway. And then if he's hiding them, who knows? And was she only writing them at Christmas and Easter? It sounded like So that would have been like several years time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, at first I think she was writing them more often and she had to go. kind of slowed down. Yeah. I was very happy though at the end that she was alive and came back. I was like... I don't know. I felt more emotion at the end of this oh, book than so a, a lot of other ones. Oh, I was so happy. Yeah, so crying. I'm like physically smiling. Like, oh my gosh. I'm so happy. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I had thought, and this didn't end up being true, but like, I thought that Nettie was dead. And then, you know, when they had the conversation about like, what is God and blah, blah, blah. And then when Celie started writing the letters to Nettie, in my mind, I had come to the conclusion that Nettie had become Celie's god. Like, that, mm-hmm. that, like, Nettie was, like, everything or whatever. And now, because she had said, like, when she was wondering if Nettie was alive or dead after she got that letter, she said, um, how could she be dead when I feel her here or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I thought that she had, like, become that figure for her but i was wrong well she yeah. might have been though mm-hmm. see might have been thinking of her as god even though she ended up being alive but she didn't know that mm-hmm. and i thought too because how her god was like everything yes i thought that if Nettie was dead it just meant she's part of yes. the universe and so mm-hmm. that's why she still feels her mm-hmm. but then it turned out she was alive I rated it a four out of five. I don't think I said my oh, rating yeah. yet. Oh, yeah. I oh, also yeah. gave it a four. I also was a four. I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been very Again, hard on yeah. some of the last few books, like, surprisingly. I didn't think I would be. <laughs> I, like, so much, so much of my ratings come from my feelings and emotions when I was reading the book. Sometimes I'm not rating it based on, like, how talented the author actually was. I very much go off like how I felt when I was reading it, which maybe isn't the right way to do it. But I have the tendency too to give like fives out like candy if I, <laughs> if I like, you know, couldn't put the book down or whatever. So yeah, my rating is a little bit different, I think, than <laughs> how some people rate. 
But that's okay. You've got your own method. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts about the book? I think we'd all recommend it. Read it. Yes, sure. It's a great book. Is anybody reading any other books? I started reading journal articles. So I get sent magazines all the time for an international organization that I'm a part of just to improve in my career. And their magazines always throw out. So I am now starting to read journal articles in magazines so that I can just learn more about what's going on in my field. Cool. Good for you. Nice. I've been reading The Chemist by Stephanie Meyer, like the Twilight Stephanie Meyer. Um, Yes, I know. But this is an adult book, and I'm not even halfway through it yet, but I've really enjoyed it. It's kind of a thriller mystery style book. No vampires or anything. No, no. (laughs) It's very different from Twilight. Um, But I've really liked it so far. So by next time, I should be finished with it and I can let you all know what my thoughts are at the end. But right now, I definitely like it. Cool. I'm still working my way through modern history um, that I was reading last time. I just, this past month, I wasn't really reading much. I don't know why. I have been watching Veep, and I'm obsessed with it. And I it's, love I had started it a long time ago and then just never finished it. So I recently started rewatching from the beginning and I'm like halfway through and it's all I want to do is watch it. <laughs> and so that's also part of the reason that I didn't finish The Color Purple until today because I was choosing to watch my show instead of reading. So yeah, it's been kind of an off month for me. Mm-hmm. I just read that book, um, Am I Overthinking This? Did you mention this book last time, Joe? Um, or not? I'm not remember. sure if I did. So, Joe brought, you read it at the last time we met. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that would be fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, at our last book club, Joe brought this book called Am I Overthinking This by Michelle Riel. Mm-hmm. It, well, they would know if they listened to our episode two times ago, because that was my book. Oh, that's right. 2019 yeah. self-help. That's right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, we have brought it up before. Yes. Um, so, last time Joe brought it. And Marie read it, and then I just read it today, actually. It's it's a really quick read, but I really liked it. Mm -hmm. Some of the – I mean, I'm, like, the definition of an overthinker, so (laughs) it was very relatable. I would recommend it. It's a very quick read, and now I have one more on my uh, reading challenge. Mm -hmm. It's it's an easy way to get another book on your list. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of currently readings. I mean, just stuff that I've started like months and months ago and I just haven't like finished it. But one I'm actually, actually for real currently reading <laughs> is called Vicious by um, V.E. Schwab. And it's kind of this like gritty anti-hero story where these two like college roommates kind of have these near-death experiences and then gain like powers from it kind of. Um, and they end up becoming like enemies and it's really, it's really, really interesting. So I'm almost done with that, finally. But I really, really like it. Nice. Sounds mm-hmm. good. Marking that as to read. Yeah. Want to read right now. <laughs> I actually have another one I want to share. I just realized it's a picture book, but I really loved it. I was just thinking about it as you were talking about the overthinking book. It's called Just to Ask. And it was such a great book because each picture and each page, it talked about a different kid with a different disability. Oh. I just thought it was such a great 
book. I read it. There's so many things going on with politics, and it was someone who was speaking. I forget her name. Um, Sonia Sotomayor. Oh, oh yeah, she's yeah. on the Supreme Court. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yes. So she actually wrote this book. Oh, and cool. it. I was watching. I don't remember what I was watching, but it was a podcast or a TED Talk or. I don't know, she was speaking about something, it was a video that she was talking about, and she mentioned this book, and I was, I was like, I need that book, I'm on Amazon, Mm -hmm. and purchasing the book, and it is so great, it's called, um, Just Ask, Be Different, Be Brave, Be You, I'll bring it next time we have the book, it was so great, and it's just like, it talks about the kid with cerebral palsy, and it just... I think anyone can relate to it, whether it's a kid or an adult or, you know, just that. And basically the whole idea of the book is everyone is different, but you just have to ask and you'll understand. That's so cool. Yeah, it was a really great one. We just had our Celebrating Differences week at school. That would have been a perfect read aloud. Yeah. There's always next year. (laughs) So are we ready to pick our book for next time? Yes. So I'm really excited because it was my genre pick, and I picked feminist books and or books with strong female leads. Um, basically, I, our favorite. I know. I was just gonna say I don't know if this is like cheating because it's basically like every book on my to read list, and a lot of the books we've already read, even like The Color Purple, already fall into this category. Mm-hmm. But I just needed to bring my feminist agenda into book club. <laughs> so and the next time we meet, it's going to be, what's it called? Yeah, International Women's International Day. Women's is like month. And- yeah, it's like right around the next time we meet. So I was trying to go on theme with Women's Day. I love it. So what so, did you pick? Um, I picked Shrill, Notes oh, from a Loud this. Woman yes. by I Lindy West. Yeah, so... That. I've been hearing about it for a long time, and it's also a show now on Hulu, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, It's rated a 4.2 on Goodreads. The description is, Coming of age in a culture that demands women be as small, quiet, and compliant as possible, like a porcelain dove that will also have sex with you, (laughs) writer and humorist Lindsay... Lindy West quickly discovered that she was anything but. From a painfully shy childhood in which she tried unsuccessfully to hide her big body and even bigger opinions, to her public war with stand-up comedians over rape jokes, to her struggle to convince herself and then the world that fat people have value, to her accidental activism and never-ending battle royale with internet internet trolls, Lindy narrates her life with a blend of humor and pathos that manages to make a trip to the abortion clinic funny and wring tears out of a story about diarrhea. With in... With in... (laughs) I don't know this word. With inimitable good humor, vulnerability, and boundless charm, Lindy boldly shares how to survive in a world where not all stories are created equal and not all bodies are treated with equal respect, and how to weather hatred, loneliness, harassment, and loss, and walk away laughing. Shrill provocatively dissects what it means to become self-aware the hard way, to go from wanting to be silent and invisible to earning a living defending the silenced in all caps. This sounds so good. I can't yeah, wait to yeah. read it. If this doesn't get picked, I think I might just read it anyway 
if I have time before <laughs> our next book club because I really want to read it. That show's on my to-watch list, too, so maybe I'll try to watch that next. Yeah. So I totally just realized this now, but I picked a book by the same author as you. Oh, really? Oh, I picked cool. The Witches Are Coming. I almost oh, forgot yes. that. This too. The Witches Are Coming? Yes. Um, so it's by Lindy West, and it has a 4.22 nice. rating. Um, so this says... In this wickedly funny cultural critique, the author of the critically acclaimed memoir and Hulu series, Shrill, exposes misogyny in the Me Too era. This is a witch hunt. We're witches and we're hunting you. From the, power, er, from the moment powerful men started falling to the Me Too movement, the lamentations began. This is feminism gone too far. This is injustice. This is a witch hunt. In The Witches Are Coming, Firebrand author of the New York Times bestselling memoir and outreach critically acclaimed Hulu TV series Shrill, Lindy West, turns that refrain on its head. You think this is a witch hunt? Fine, you've got one. In a laugh-out-loud, incisive cultural critique, West extols the world-changing magic of truth, urging readers to reckon with dark lies in the heart of the American mythos and unpacking the complicated and sometimes tragic politics of not being a white man in the 21st century. She tracks the misogyny and propaganda hidden, or not so hidden, in the media she and her peers devoured growing up, a buffet of distortions, delusions, prejudice, and outright bullshit that has allowed white male mediocrity to maintain a death grip on American culture and politics, and that delivered us to this precarious, disorienting moment in history. West writes, we were just a hair's breadth from electing America's first female president to succeed America's first black president. We weren't done, but we were doing it. And then, true to form, like the Balrog's whip catching Gandalf by his little gray booty, like the husband in a Lifetime movie hissing, if I can't have you, no one can, white American voters shoved an incompetent racist con man into the White House. We cannot understand how we got here, how the land of the free became Trump's America, without examining the chasm between who we are and who we think we are, without fact-checking the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and each other. The truth can transform us. There is a witchcraft in it. Lindy West turns on the light. Yes! yes. I'm like nodding along while <laughs> yeah. you're reading it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yes. totally reading this. For some like reason, it. I didn't realize that that was the same author and of Shrill. Either. Like, I looked at yeah. both of them. I literally was like, like oh, how do you Shrill? And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, cool. Let's do this next. <laughs> I can go next. Um, I'm picking one that I actually picked before we started our podcast so but you guys will remember I picked Daisy Jones and the Six so this is a 4.21 and uh, just the recap here everyone knows Daisy Jones and the Six the band's album Aurora came to define the rock and roll era of the late 70s and an entire generation of girls wanted to grow up to be Daisy But no one knows the reason behind the group split on the night of their final concert at Chicago Stadium on July 12, 1979, until now. Daisy is a girl coming of age in L.A. in the late 60s, sneaking into clubs on Sunset Strip, sleeping with rock stars, and dreaming of singing at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go. The sex and drugs are thrilling, but it's the rock and roll she loves most. By the time she's 20, her voice is getting noticed, and she has the kind of heedless beauty that makes people do crazy things. Also getting noticed is The Six, a band led by the brooding Billy Dunn. On the eve of their first tour, his girlfriend Camilla finds out she's pregnant, and with the pressure of impending fatherhood and fame, Billy goes a little wild on the road. 
Daisy and Billy cross paths when a producer realizes that the key to supercharged success is to put the two together. What happens next will become the stuff of legend. The making of that legend is chronicled in this riveting and unforgettable novel written as an oral history of one of the biggest bands of the 70s. Taylor Jenkins Reid is a talented writer who takes her work to a new level with Daisy Jones and the Six, brilliantly capturing a place and time in an utterly distinctive voice. Yay! So, yes. I've been wanting to read that one too. Yeah, I keep entering the book sweepstakes contest or whatever on oh, yeah. for and I never win. <laughs> I know I've never won any of the giveaways. No. Yeah. I'm like one of these days, I don't even know the word I gave oh, yeah. emails. Yes. If you have it on your to read list, yeah. they'll be like, "There's a new giveaway for a book on your list." Yeah. Yes. yes. I guess there's never been a giveaway. I chose I Am Malala. Oh, Ooh, yes. That's I actually thought about too. that. I saw that when I was looking. I, I think I saw one of you guys do something on Goodreads with it, and I was like, oh, that's been on my list yes. forever. Yes. Okay, that's what I'm doing. Same. Since it has come out, I bought the book when it came out, and it has been on my shelf since, like, 2012. <laughs> no, whenever this happened. Um, so I, I just haven't had the time to read it. The book description says i come from a country that was created at midnight when i almost died it was just after midday when the taliban took control of the swat valley in pakistan one girl spoke out malala yusuf refused to be silenced and fought for her to an education on tuesday october 9 2012 she was 15 she almost paid the ultimate price she was shot in the head at point-blank range while riding the bus home from school, and a few expected her to survive. Instead, Malala's miraculous recovery has taken her on an extraordinary journey from the remote valley in northern Pakistan to the halls of the United Nations in New York. At 16, she has become a global symbol of peaceful protest and the youngest ever Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize laureate I am Malala is a remarkable tale of a family uprooted by the global terrorism of the fight for girls' education of a father who himself, a school owner, championed and encouraged his daughter to write and attend school and of brave parents who have a fierce love of their daughter in a society that prizes sons. Nice. nice. Yeah, I want to read that one, yeah, too. Me too. So, mine... I'm really sorry, Lee. You already read this book. Oh, I don't care. And I just really, really want to read it. (laughs) Um, And this, just for background, because I don't think this has come up on the podcast yet, this does happen to us, like, pretty frequently, that a lot of the books we want to read, at least one person has already read it, so... And it's usually Joe and me, yes. (laughs) Oftentimes, I feel like... We usually read like all the new popular mm-hmm. books that that then everybody wants to pick for book club. Yes. But and you I... just are faster readers than I am, so you get to everything <laughs> first. So mine is Good and Mad. Oh, oh yes, I would totally read this like every day. Oh, okay, oh, I to read this. Oh, it's on my list already. Like, I I don't care. I'm obsessed at all to read with it Rebecca again. Traster. Um, 
I read, I think we maybe, maybe we talked about it, but maybe we didn't. Um, she also wrote the All the Single Ladies book mm-hmm. that I'm obsessed with. I love that book. Oh, that's on my to-read list. Yeah, I you should definitely read that. it. I need oh my to God. finish it. I read it like so three good. times. I, I loved it so much. Okay. Still I need to finish it. I gave it to you tomorrow. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. I was like, I need to get that book and actually read it <laughs> yes. So... This book is called Good and Mad, The Revolutionary Power of Women's Anger. And I listened to an interview of her on one of the podcasts I listened to, and she had said that the cover, like the background of the cover just has fuck written over and over and over again on it. <laughs> it was like graph paper. And it really didn't look close. <laughs> she had said that her original title that she sent to like the publisher or whatever was fuck you, you fucking fucks. <laughs> and they told her, like, clearly that wasn't going to sell. And, like, she couldn't use that as her title. But that, that just kind of, like, it. gives you... Oh, yeah, me too. That just kind of gives you, like, the setup for what this book is. But it says, From Rebecca Traster, the New York Times bestselling author of All the Single Ladies, comes a vital, incisive exploration into the transform transformative power of female anger and its ability to transcend into a political movement. In the year 2018, it seems as if women's anger has suddenly erupted into the public conversation. But long before Pantsuit Nation, before the Women's March, and before the Me Too movement, women's anger was not only politically catalytic, but politically problematic. The story of female fury and its cultural significance demonstrates the long history of bitter resentment that has enshrouded women's slow rise to political power in America, as well as the ways that anger has that anger is received when it comes from women as opposed to when it comes from men. With eloquence and fervor, Rebecca tracks the history of female anger as political fuel. From suffragettes marching on the White House to official workers vacating their buildings after Clarence Thomas was confirmed to the Supreme Court. Here, Traster explores women's anger at both men and other women, anger between ideological allies and foes, the varied ways anger is perceived based on its owner, as well as the history of caricaturing and delegitimizing female anger, and the way women's collective fury has become transformative political fuel, as is most certainly occurring today. She deconstructs societies and the media's condemnation of female emotion, notably rage, and the impact of their resulting repercussions. Highlighting a double standard perpetuated against women by all sexes and its disastrous, stultifying effect, Traster's latest is timely and crucial. It offers a glimpse into the galvanizing force of women's collective anger, which, when harnessed, can change history. Yes! I want to read all of these so I know, much. me too. I rated Good and Mad a 5 out of 5. I saw it. So I would not be mad if this gets picked. Okay, thanks. <laughs> okay. Okay. We ready to. Yes, I have it all spin. set up. Are we ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay, here we go. Oh, okay, it's going. And. Shrill! Oh, oh, that's two times in a row. Right? Or no? Yours was no. give a I shit. I picked give a shit. Okay. Yeah. Yay. All right. It was this close. Oh. I have my fingers very close together. Too good and mad. Oh, sorry. It's almost good and mad. Okay. <laughs> I already own it, so I'm definitely going to read it eventually. Yeah. Good and mad? Yeah. Did you give that to me or did you give it to me? I think oh. I gave it to both of you. 
I don't have it. I thought oh. you gave it to me. I think I gave week. it to you. Never <laughs> <laughs> mind. I must have given yeah, you a different I, book. You, <laughs> you gave us Drop the Ball, which oh, would have also it. been really good for this that genre. Was it. That was it. I'm yeah, sorry. you must have given it to me because I have it. It's easy to get confused. <laughs> I, I Basically, all we you do gave is it give each me, other gifts. But I don't so have it, so I know that I didn't get it from somebody. I think, yeah. I think, I think we <laughs> probably talked about it on, this, on the first episode, but if listeners don't know, Joe and Lynn and me are sisters, and, like, common Christmas and birthday presents <laughs> are books. <laughs> but, yeah, clearly I get confused about who gave <laughs> who which book. Yeah. Well, thanks for yeah. the book. <laughs> I loved it. You're welcome. <laughs> Don't have to purchase it. Best now, book so ever. <laughs> okay. Um, so, listeners, have you read The Color Purple? And if you did, what did you guys think? Do you have a favorite book you want us to read? Do you have a genre idea that you think we should consider for next time? Do you want to guess what our next genre will be? Do you have a cat? We want to hear from you. Email us at drinkabookpod at gmail.com and also check out our Instagram, which is also drinkabookpod. And thanks for joining us this week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I know we always enjoy getting together. So remember to add comments and we'll see you next month when we talk about Shrill. Bye. Bye. Here's to another book club. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.